0: And get your Bibles out and go to John chapter 20, John 20. Now I'm going to read something and I need you to not say amen. Now the first service they all said amen and it was terrible. Okay now I'm going to read something and I want you to just listen as I read. I'll make comments when I'm done. It's very important you don't holler. These are the things that I read on Facebook and church and people's posts that are going on in churches in America. We need a move of God. We need a fresh anointing. I'm just going to keep going. We need a touch from God. God, we need you to do something. All of those statements are wrong. They're all wrong. Now, don't feel bad if you said amen or felt like it. Because this is so normal in our society, it's one of the reasons we're not seeing more of a move of God. So, I'm going to read them again real quick. We need a move of God. We need a fresh anointing. We need a touch from God. God, we need you to do something. Why is that wrong? Number one, because you are born again already. You're already the righteousness of God in Christ. You're already full of the Holy Ghost, and you have already been given authority by Jesus over all the work of the enemy, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this next statement. You, we are not a needy church. We are a needed church. People need you. Now, we're going to talk about this because we really need to go down this road Um, I'm going to read something from Brother Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church. And I want to read the three types of churches. And I want you to understand, it does not mean that these people are bad. It just means they're not victorious. And they never will be. Now think about that for a minute. Because they're always fighting from defeat. We're not fighting from defeat. Amen. The militant yeah. church depicts a body of believers who are not yet seated in heavenly places in Christ and are still battling to try to gain the victory over an enemy that has not been defeated yet by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm believing for my healing. I'm believing for a breakthrough. It's come. It's everywhere. It even comes from pulpits all over America. The, de- the defeated church gives a picture of a church which is ignorant of the fact that they are seated with Christ and they're supposed to be reigning in life through Jesus Christ. Because they're ignorant of their position in Christ, they never use their authority they possess, these believers are constantly ravaged by the wiles of Satan and they are always in a state of continual failure and defeat. Always trying to get God to move and answer a, quest, a prayer. Let's just t- throw a hypothetical question, you know, situation. What would a move look like? I'm not saying he doesn't move. I'm just asking you what would a move look like if God instituted it on his own? come down here and knock you out of the chair and jump on your head and make you roll on the floor? We have services like that. And we'll talk about where that's coming from. The triumphant church is the biblical perspective of the body of Christ seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power. The triumphant church scripturally portrays a body of believers who not only know and exercise their authority and therefore reign victoriously in in life through Jesus Christ over Satan, a defeated foe. We are a triumphant church. All right. In this age, when demon activity is increasing around the world, It is vital that believers know that their redemption in Christ entitles them to. We need to be fully convinced of the authority that is ours because of the victory Jesus already won over all of the power of the enemy. I am not defeated. I am victorious. All right, now let me finish reading my little paper right here. We come to church so we can rest in the Lord We can also be refreshed. We can be fed. We can get our feet washed with the water of the word. But right now, we are a move of God. I'm a move of God. I am a move. I'm not waiting on God. I am a move of God. I am anointed. We are anointed. We are a touch from God. We are the answer to someone praying, God, I need you to do something. So let me ask you a question. Let's talk about a move of God. What else would God need to do? What else does he need to do? You're already born again. That means you have been made the very righteousness of God. You are as righteous as as God. You're washed in the blood, all of your sins are washed away, and you're full of God. What more do you want Him to do? The issue is us. And I'm saying that because we're going to talk in a minute about walking in love again. Thank y'all. Amen. But we have to come back here because people come to church looking for someone to push a button and pull a lever and cause God to move on your behalf. He moved and sat down. He, he's not going to do Anything. Everybody's looking at me like, whoa. Are you in John 20, 21? I want to show you what a move looks like. And Jesus said, peace I leave to you. And as the Father sent me, I send you. I am a revival. Do you know that I've seen more miracles at work than I have ever seen at church? So let me back up here a minute and ask you about what a move would look like. Do you know the difference between supernatural and spectacular? Have you ever thought about it? Do you remember when the woman with the issue of blood got healed? Who in the crowd knew it? Nobody. 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 She touched him. He said, someone touch me. The disciple said, everybody's touching you. <laughs> and he said, no, someone touched me. And she fell down and told him everything. And that might be a move of God for a woman to tell you everything. Everything. <laughs> and she touched <laughs> him. Who felt her blood dry up? She did. There was nothing spectacular happened. Did you know we have supernatural moves of God all the time here. Did you know that? You, but it's not something you're seeing. We need to get some people up here and let them testify of what God is doing. Oh, I came to that church, and, and all of a sudden now I'm walking, and I'm better, and I recovered, and my life changed, my finances went up. It's happening all the time, and you're praying for a move. And, I'm, and, and see, then you go off to a meeting and you're looking for a man right, to pull a rabbit out of a hat that's true. for you. Yes, that's true. I want you to think about Jesus says, As the Father sent me, so send I you. Did you know everywhere I have ever worked since I've been born again, people have gotten born again, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, and saved? everywhere I've ever worked. That's a move of God. America needs a move of God, so let's go. As the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. We're going to talk about love, but we're going to now talk about loving other people. Contrary to popular belief, God loves the people you work with. As a matter of fact, he loves the people you don't even like. Thank y'all. He loves them enough that your job really is your mission field. That's why you're there. The Bible says God meets all of your needs according to his riches. So your job is not just for money. It is for you to, God put you in the world full of people that he loves dearly. Cares about them a lot. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Go to John 13. It's easy to love God. It's difficult. People are not always so easy. Easiest thing in the world to love God. He ain't never done anything wrong. It's those people I work with. Those pesky, hard to get along with, opinionated people. Messy, dirty. Ugh. who do you think he died for those people what do you think you were like I'm going to read this but before I do I'm going to make a statement everybody in this room is where you are today because someone lifted you up every one of us someone someone reached down and pulled you up. Right. Oh, you wouldn't be here. This is where we're going to go. John 13:1. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come, that he would depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, sign his son to betray him, Jesus knowing the Father had given all things to his hands, and he had come from God and was going to God. How many of you know that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh? You know, when, when Lisa and I were over in Israel, we're walking around a nation that has no idea that the God of the universe walked among them, died on a cross, went down into the region of the dam, beat the devil, stripped him of all authority, and rose from the dead right there in front of them. We'll be talking more about this coming up Easter. By the way, bring your in-laws. That's one of the reasons we're talking about all the people you don't like. It says that Jesus was here from the foundation of the earth. Who do you think God was talking to when he said, let us make man in our own image? But Jesus is the manifested presence of God. And though he was God, he left his deity behind and took on humanity. But then he didn't stop. He came from God and was going to God. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. He poured water in a basin and began to wash his feet, his disciples' feet, and wiped them with a towel in which he was girded. And when he came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus says to him, what I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you'll know after this. And Peter said, you're not gonna wash my feet. And he says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but my my hands and my head. He said, he who's bathed needs only wash his feet but you're completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. He knew who would betray him, therefore he said, not all of you. And when he had washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down and said, do you know what I just did to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, yes, I am. And if then your Lord and teacher washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you would do as I have done to you. Did, is he God? Yes. The, the, the foot washing is the lowest place in the house. People didn't hire people to do it. They bought slaves that washed people's feet. That's the, that's the worst job in the house. And Jesus, God incarnate, sat down and took the form of a servant and washed their feet and said, I'm doing this to let you know that if I'm God and this is my position, don't get over this. You are never going to be bigger than me. Now this is tough. Because the guys he's washing their feet, they're kind of ornery. I mean, think about Peter is still causing trouble even the last few minutes. Jesus is about to turn his whole church over to a guy who's whacking a dude's ear off. You're talking about staff problems. When he came to the earth, he got the the worst of society and made them his disciples. He's still using uh, unscrupulous people. Thank you. Then he sits down and washes their feet and says, I want you to see what I have done. Loving God is easy. Loving each other, that's another ball of wax. But yet, everything you have was given to you. Someone, my mother, prayed me in. What if she hadn't have wanted to go to the crusade? She didn't need to go to the crusade. I did. She didn't need to to do what she did. I'm the one that needed it. Had not her and Virginia taken the time to pick me up, drive me to Atlanta, take me to a crusade, she didn't need, I would have never gotten saved. But my mother had gotten born again, and she was reaching down and taking her children and bringing them up so they could be saved. That's love. And then when I got born again, people in the church began to give me books, began to mentor me, began to help me. How many of you know I was a mess? Folks, I walked into church, hair down to my shoulders, a full beard. I owned one pair of jeans. And they had holes in them and it was not popular. And was not vogue. I wasn't cool. Hush puppy shoes with holes in the bottom and a red shirt and a red and white shirt with the zipper broken in it. That's the only clothing I owned. I washed them, I took a bath, and I went to church. And I walked in, and I'm telling you, those people treated me well. A lady took me home for lunch. God knows I needed it. I didn't have the money to buy lunch. I would go down to the 7-Eleven and buy a Coke and a Snickers and split it between me and Che and Ashley. And we would, that would be our lunch. She took me home, fed me a bologna sandwich, potato chips and a Coke and gave us all lunch, big deal, and then gave me books by Kenneth Hagin. And she sat down and began to pour life into me. She didn't have to do that. But she, she had a son named Tommy. She was believing God for Tommy's salvation. As a matter of fact, Tommy was in the crusade when I was there, and I got saved, and Tommy didn't. And she was a little bummed at God for a little while. How come Daryl got saved and Tommy didn't? But this lady kept pouring into me. Right after that, there was another lady in a Bible study across the street, had a woman's Bible study, and let me come. And I heard a guy named Kenneth Hagin's cassette tapes for the first time in my life. And she went off to Rama and began to pray that I would come. You understand, I'm not a product. I didn't get me here. I'm a turtle on a fence post. You riding down the road and see a turtle on a fence post, somebody put it there. You are a turtle on a fence post. Somebody put you where you are. God is saying to us right now that there comes a time in your life where you need to look around you and the people you're going to help, their lives are messed up. Yeah. And it's not fun. You go over there and say, hey, do you need prayer? Oh, yeah, I need prayer. My, my, my marriage is falling apart. My kids are on drugs. I, you're going, oh, help me, Jesus. And you're going to turn around and go, okay, we got this. Did you see what I did to you? I washed your feet. I want you to wash your feet. I'm going to tell you a story right now. Let me read this before I go. John 13, 14. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I loved you, that you love one another. And by this all will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So often what you are looking for in life is inside you. You already have it. But, but you're the one stopping it from moving. You're looking for a move of God, and you're the one who needs to move. Yep. So let me tell you a story, and many of you have t- heard the story before, but it bears repeating, guys. Right after I got born again, um, not a lot of money, I moved out of the house I was in into a mobile home. Mobile home, nothing wrong with mobile homes. This was $100 a month, had an air conditioner in the living room. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The only spot in the whole house was a foot in front of it. That was cool. Well, uh, someone had given me a garden. Now, if you're a Georgia boy, you know what to do with a garden. Okra, tomatoes, collard greens. See, I I get this. You cut the okra up, you you pick the, the ones that are not hard cut them up in little pieces bread them and flour them in cornmeal get you some good old fat back and get it good and hot and throw them over in there with a little salt and pepper that's good eating or you can get the collards and get you a big old pot and start simmering them down and throw you some fat back everything's got to have fat back in in Georgia throw it over in there and just simmer them collards down now see when I see a garden I go yeah baby And I mean cut up tomatoes that are that big. Talking about bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. If y'all don't know anything about that, you're either a Yankee or you're not saved. Cut a big slice of that big tomato out, throw it on that bread, salt and pepper it, put some lettuce and bacon on the top of that, and that's lunch. That's good. And I don't know about y'all, but I need to stop real quick. We got to leave. So I'm over in this garden, but there's one more thing that grows in garden very in abundance, and that's poison ivy. After me working in that garden for two or three days, I got poison ivy in my neck, under my armpits, in between my toes, up my leg. I mean, I'm covered in it. And y'all know what a jar of calamine's for? Not much. Just pour it on you, and it just drips down, and it's just, it's just... I'd have to buy about a, 10 dozen bottles of that stuff. So I'm laying in, a, in my mobile home, covered in poison ivy, reading the book of Job. <laughs> I needed comfort. And I mean, it's hot in there. And I'm back there sweating, scratching, and complaining I called it praying, but I wasn't. I'm whining, oh, God, help me, Jesus. And God had mercy on me. And a lady that lived next door had a baby, and she came over into my house, my little trailer, and brought that screaming, crying brat. Oh,
1: my God.
0: And I'm laying there having a pity party, and here this baby is in the living room, screaming, bloody murder. And I was going to get up and give her the evil eye. You know what that is? How many of y'all know what the evil eye is? Have, she, does she know what the evil eye is? She knows what the evil eye is. You want to come up? and? Oh, he, you want to use, okay. The evil eye is when someone is in your space and you give them the look that says, there's the door. So I'm going to get up and go give her the evil eye. So I can go back, me and Job. And I walked into the living room, and this baby has got its little fist balled up so tight that its fingernails are cutting into its own hand and just screaming. And I looked, and immediately I thought, oh, my God, this baby's in pain. And the Holy Ghost said to me, colic. And that baby, if you could see its face, I mean, it was like in massive pain. Well, immediately, I forgot about me, and now I'm thinking about, oh, my God, this poor baby. And she brought it over for me to pray. But you understand, I was introvert. I know y'all live in. I was. And I was afraid to pray in front of people. And I said, God, if you'll get her out of here, I'll pray for the baby. And she went, oh, my God, I think I left the stove on and handed me the child. And that baby touched my hands, and the minute she laid him in my hands, the power of God, I felt it come out of my belly and down my arm, bam, hit that baby. And I thought it fell asleep. It didn't. It fell out in the power, but I didn't know what falling out in the power was. And I mean, the baby went, boom, and w- and just went quiet in my hand, and I'm and I'm amazed. And then she comes running back in. She goes, "Oh my God! I knew you would pray for my baby because I heard you talking about Jesus, and I knew if you prayed, God would heal my baby." And she grabs the baby and out the door she goes. Now, I'm more shocked at this than she is. And so I'm just kind of like, okay. And I turned and I turned to go back down the hall back to Job. And the Holy Ghost said, now you. The Holy Ghost hit me in the top of my head and healed me completely the itching stopped and I'm standing in the hall going what took you so long (laughs) you know and he said to me I couldn't help you because you were full of yourself and I needed you to get your mind off of you and to help someone else He said, I didn't really heal you. All I did was refill you. You took what I had given you and you gave it away. And then you emptied yourself and you had compassion. And then I filled you back up. And I walked away knowing something that day that very often the miracle you're looking for is in your giving. I'm going to go back to this statement now. Just listen as I say this. We need a move of God. Well, then move. Are you all out there? Are you listening to me? You're not going to sit in church being full of God and expect God to move on you What? What's he going to do? Refill you again? We keep, if, listen, if you want to be refilled, get empty. Yeah, yeah. We need a fresh anointing. You ain't done anything with the last one. I mean, if you have a pitcher of sour milk in the refrigerator, you didn't use it. Why would anybody give you another pitcher? We need a touch from God. You are a touch. He's in you. Let me show you how to have a touch from God. Watch this. I'm picking on you because we're praying prayers that God can't answer. Does that mean we don't need a move in America? Yes, this nation needs God. And you're it. Listen to this statement, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, 4 through 8. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. I'm going to ask you a question when you're dealing with people. Can you find gold in the dirt? Can you lift up a fallen man? Can you believe in a person who does not even believe in their self? That's love. God put me on a crew, and I told you this, and um, I, I, he wanted me to learn something before I went into ministry. And at that time, growing up in a, in a white neighborhood, in a white school, I didn't have any African-American or black friends. Didn't know anything about the culture, didn't know anything about black people. And God thought, well, you know, this man might need to know something. Yeah. So he sticks me part of my training for ministry was to put me on a crew of all black men. That was tough because they decided we're going to fix him. (laughs) They were not mean but I felt like a mouse in a a house full of cats. (laughs) They just kind of slapped me around wherever they wanted me to go, you know. And God put me there because he wanted me to see an environment and make friends that I normally had never had. You know what happened? I mean, during that time, I'm telling you, they would throw mud on my boots. They never hurt me, but they made my life rough. But they didn't reckon the fact that I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian who loves God. I'm not looking at their color. I'm not, I don't care anything about them. I just want to go to work. And so every day of my life, lunchtime comes and we all pull up concrete blocks and we talk about everything, women, sex, racism, and Jesus At the end of the year, now let me tell you something. You work with people every day. It won't be long. You'll find out about them. I found out about Omar's marriage that was falling apart. I found out about Wilbur. I found out about Bird's aunt. You start finding out about people, they bring it up. And I began to pray for these men. One day, Omar came to me, and I'm sitting on a concrete block, and he says, Morgan, What you got, what I got, what you got, you got something I don't got, and when I got a lot of stuff you don't got, he said, no, I'm being serious, and he was. He said, we give you trouble, that's not what he said, we give you heck. I said, yes, you do. He said, you don't rattle I said, no, I don't rattle. And he said, what you got, I want it. I said, you want what I got? You want Jesus? He said, I do. This is a former Black Panther. When I first started there, he hated me. And now he wants Jesus. What do you think changed that? Folks, listen to me, it wasn't a sermon, it wasn't just, it's, it's friendships, it's talking, right. it's loving, it's caring, it's fighting,
1: yeah.
0: it's arguing. <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to go? You don't agree with what I said, you know, you're st- we're still going to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of a year, I said to him, I said, Omar, you need to come over. He said, the popka, at night, I ain't coming to popka at night. I said, no, things have changed, come on. Came over to the house that night, Lisa cooked Omar dinner. Sat there and opened up a Bible to 1 John 1.9. I think he'd been born again at one time. Got him back in fellowship with God, laid hands on him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. Omar had remarried a girl named Brenda, and him and Brenda went to Claremont and started a church. Him and I did missions work together. Folks, that's love. That's ministry. That, that's, there's, that's time consuming. That means I've got to get in this man's life. And he's got to get in mine. And we work together and we built a friendship based on the word of God. Folks, you are a move of God. There are people Right now, they are praying, help me. Do you know what he's going to do? He's going to send you to them. And you're going to be at work, and you're going to hear their story, and it will not be pretty. And you're going to sit down and go, well, let's open up a Bible, and you don't need all the answers. They just need love. Love them, hug them, pray for them, give them the word, start praying over them. Watch God turn their life around. And when He's done with them, there will be another group. And you'll be doing this till Jesus returns. Are you all out there? Did you go home? This is what America needs. America needs Jesus. And the church has been failing miserably in this area. And we're going to pick it up now. Now I'm saying that because I need you to get the pressure off me to pull a rabbit out of a hat on Sunday morning for you. We want to move God. Well, get up off your butt and go help somebody. I well, know that's not good Greek. What do you think you're here? What do you think you're doing in church? What do you think you're here for? We're growing in God. We're family. There's people sitting right here in this room that need you. They need you. Let me tell you something about being a pastor. They don't tell me stuff because they don't want me to make a sermon out of it. (laughs) It's true. I mean, they're like, well, don't tell him. I'm usually the last one. If you're in the hospital, I'm the last one that knows it. You've told everybody. But people walk in here like I did when I got saved, walk in a church, and they need people. And it'll, it's an inconvenience because it's time. It's your time. But these are people. That God loves. Just like you. You want people to lift you? There are people God will bring along to help you up. And there are people that he'll send you to. Luke, let's go to First John 3. How am I doing, guys? Yeah, this is love. This is what love is. I could tell you story after story after story. There's things that are happening in the, on the earth because we're not available. Can I tell you a story? It's pretty rough. This is a rough one. Right when I got born again, I told you that I was introvert. I was very introvert. I didn't talk to people. And I certainly didn't want to talk about Jesus because I didn't feel like I knew much. It was it? I went to work at, at Lockheed, I mean, at, at Certainty. There's a guy there named Lonnie. Lonnie would come to work, and Lonnie had problems. And Lonnie, when I would talk a little bit about Jesus, he'd ask me questions. And he said something to me one day He says, You ever watch 700 Club? And I said, Yeah. That's it. Yeah. What's God trying to do? Trying to get me to talk to Lonnie. Why well, I'm talking to Lonnie? Lonnie's always walking around with problems and we avoided him because he has problems. Came to work one day and someone said Lonnie will not be at work. I said, "Where's Lonnie?" He put a rifle in his mouth last night and pulled a trigger and blew his brains out. I sat there and I went. I mean, it just broke my heart. I said, God, you tried to get me to talk to Lonnie, and I wouldn't. And I got on my knees. I said, he's in hell, and it's my fault. You think God's just going to save Lonnie without a person? No, he's not going to save Lonnie without a person. Now Lonnie's in hell. He'll never come out. And I went off alone and I got on my knees and I said, so help me God. I will never keep my mouth shut again. I will share Jesus with everybody you call me to talk to. And I'll get over being an introvert. And I'll learn. I said, please forgive me. And that day is the day I made a dedication. And people slow down long enough, start telling me their problems. I think you're asking me about Jesus. Jesus. And everybody I've ever worked with, I have left with people saved, born again. Are you all out there? Somebody said, well, how'd you learn the Bible? Talking to people that don't know Jesus. They all ask the same dumb questions. And then you come to church and preach, and everybody goes, how'd you know? That was the day I changed. And I decided if you want to use me, you can use me. Because I was a mess. And you picked me up. And now if you want to use me, I'll I will help everybody you send me to help. It actually landed me a job in a popka. Never mind. First John 3.16 By this we know love because he laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Easter's coming up. I'm going to tell you right now people will be born again in this church. People are getting saved in this church all the time. We just don't say a lot to y'all about it. Adam how are you doing? Yeah, Has your life been changed since you've been here? Turn to your mom and say, hey mom, Betty. Has he changed? Yes. Folks, that's a move of God. It wasn't spectacular, but it sure is supernatural. I mean, we could go around here. How about you, Kathy? Have you been have you been changed, any? I mean, have we ever helped you out? I mean, yes, I read your report. You I loved it. Thank Good old seven-day Adventist girl bound by legalism. Yeah. Have we helped you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We can go around the room. We could, we could spend some time. Rosie, I mean, how about you? You <laughs> were a mess. When you came, Mm -hmm. living with a guy you're not married to, your husband, husband. things not going well. Mm -hmm. Going well now, right? Super well. Oh, yeah. But God. But God. You see, we wouldn't call her super, I mean, no no firecrackers went off. God is changing this woman for the good. And I'm going to tell you, it isn't just my preaching even though that is really good. (laughs) And tell you what's the biggest issue is the people in this church that have poured their life into her. And now she does it back. She just started a ministry, Operation Provision, her and Barbara, helping kids down in Honduras and ministering to people. Folks, there's going to be an outflow. Are y'all listening? Okay. Let me look at one more scripture. I got time. Y'all may not, but I do. Let's go to Luke 10. Verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him and said, Teacher, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And he said, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? And he says, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he went, "Uh really? (laughs) And he said, you've answered rightly, do this and you'll live. And he wanting to justify himself said, who's my neighbor? (laughs) Uh, I don't think I like him. And Jesus answered said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now let me give you the 411 on this story. Jerusalem, and, and Aaron told us this when he was here, is about 2,500 feet above sea level, and Jericho is about 1,000 or 1,500 feet below sea level. So this is quite a trip down. And if you were here the other night, you saw the path. There's a brook. Called the brook Cherith running from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And people who traveled from the Galilee came down the Jordan River because of water and went up the brook Cherith to Jerusalem. And this is the road on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. But he's also talking here about Adam. Adam walked with God and he left God and went to Jericho. So he's going to tell the story of redemption along with this story. A certain man, which was Adam, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, the devil, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed and left him half dead, only spiritually dead but not physically. By now a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side." but a certain Samaritan. A Samaritan is a half Jew, and they were not regarded, they were not in high esteem among Jews in Jerusalem at the time. And as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion, say mercy. Mercy. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and set him on his animal, and brought him to an inn to take care of him. He's a businessman. Do you think He has nothing to do. I mean, do you think he's sitting around going, I'm so bored, I wish somebody would fall down and half dead so I could help them. What is the biggest thing you say when God asks you to do something? I don't have time. Yeah, you do. You're just using it wrong. This is a big deal. He stops whatever he's doing and helps a man he doesn't even know. Sounds like Lenny, don't it? Folks, that's the love of God. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured on oil and wine. In other words, Jesus and the Holy Ghost set him on his animal and brought him to an inn, which would be a church, to take care of him. The next day when he departed, he took out two denarii or two years wages and gave them to the pastor and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come, I'll repay you. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? It's the Samaritan. We're missing it in Christianity. I'm being serious. We're missing it. You are an ambassador. And I'm being serious. I believe in coming to church. And you say, I, I, go, I go to meetings where the Holy Ghost is. I run aisles, jump pews. Don't I, Adam? Yeah. I love being refreshed. I love listening to Mark Hankins preach. So I'm not against that at all. But what's it for? It's to refresh me. What for? If I'm not going to love what God loves, he loved you. And you weren't lovely. But he loved you anyway. He, he took your place on a cross. Is it too much? You, you say, well, these people are a mess. They're all a mess. You're a mess. This is the messiest place on earth. That's why people leave the church, because you're a mess. If we could get perfect people, we could have more people come. But y'all are here, running them off. If you don't, I do, because I'm a mess. But God uses imperfect people, and he would have a perfect pastor if he could find one, but he can't find any, so he's left with us. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, oh, help him, help him today, God, help him out. Amen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Folks, this is one of the greatest acts of love you'll ever give. Yeah. Your next-door neighbor coming over, baby's collect, pray for them. Mm-hmm. You say, well, what if they don't get healed? Pray for them anyway. You leave it to God. Don't worry about it. You're not God. You just leave it to God. You say, well, I don't know much. Well, learn, learn something. Just learn John 3.16. Read it to them. Sit and read the Bible to them. Yeah. I was in the hospital yesterday with Sue Conley, and there was a lady next door, right next to Sue, and her name was Myra. I found out she wasn't Puerto Rican. She's Muslim. So I walked over there, and I said, What's your name?" she says, "Myra." I didn't understand a thing she said. She had a mask on. I went, "What?" <laughs> Finally, Sue said her name's Myra. I said, "Hey Myra." I said, "You know Jesus loves you." She didn't get she didn't look at me like, "Yeah." She just kind of like, "What?" I said, "Where are you from?" She goes, "Lebanon." I said, "God loves Lebanese." I said, "I was up on the border of Lebanese last year." She said, "You were?" I said, yeah. Do you know that Jesus loves you? She goes, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes. Sure, she's in pain. Everybody wants prayer? Walked over and laid my hands on this lady. I want you to understand, God's not, are you all ready for this? God's not looking at her sin. He laid it on Jesus. He loves this lady. Is she a mess? Who says she screams all night? Amen. She needed prayer. Boy, she needed prayer. I went over and laid hands on her. I didn't say, oh, God, heal her. I said, God, have mercy. Be merciful. He, He would love to pray for her, but he has no hands but yours. He doesn't have any feet but your feet. He doesn't have a mouth but your mouth. I got a text this morning when I woke up. Sue Conley, Myra wants to know if you'll pray for her again today. I said, you better believe I'll pray for her. Tell her Jesus loves her. Folks, are y'all out there as you go home? These are people. Yeah. Yeah, they're a pain. Yeah, they're a pain. I get it. I want to move with God. I want to see you bring your in laws and your outlaws to church Easter Sunday. We're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to get them saved. And I'm going to tell you, when they get born again, somebody's going to have to change some diapers. Are y'all out there? They're going to be over at your house wanting dinner. And they're going to sit down and they're going to talk more unbelief than you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> And they'll probably use a few four-letter words right in your house. And when you're finished, you're going to open up a Bible and help them the best you can. Pray for them. Tell God how much you can tolerate and send them home. Because they'll be back. And next year, they'll be sitting here in church next to you. And their life will be completely different. Amen. I love you. If you come to this church, you have to tolerate my double D personality. I know I have one. I know it. Everybody tells me. I've been, people have whole prayer meetings. And I am the subject of their prayer meeting for God to change him. And he's done some, but he's still got more work to do. Don't get frustrated. He's working. And you're going to put up with people. Don't walk out of a church because it's messed up. They're all messed up.
1: Come
0: on. <laughs> that may shock you. Man, if you knew what was going on over there, well, and take your towel off and get your towel out in the basin. you got work to do. That's I thank God, for the people who got me where I am. If it wasn't for Brother Hagin, that man laid his life down to start Ramah, build a Bible school so I could go to it. That man changed my life. There's people in this church right here. If it wasn't for them, i wouldn't be here barbara's in the hospital right now she was my secretary one day i'm riding my 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 motorcycle through mount dora and i didn't know that the back tire had gotten low and i turned to go into the shopping center where the gym is and i rolled the bike i crashed barbara's sitting here at the desk holy ghost said pray for pastor she jumped up and said Satan you will not kill him begin to intercede for me the Holy Ghost saw it coming I rolled down the asphalt got up not a scratch on my body I got up and came back and I said Barbara said what were you doing today I said well I crashed my bike she said yeah how many times how many stories can y'all tell I can tell you story after story after story. There's people in this church I just love. Zach, I just love Zach. I love Amber. I told um, Aaron a little bit about you. He wanted to know about you. I said, well, he was a handful. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Amber made a lot of changes since you've been here. I'm proud of you, Steve Stapleton. He's growing. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for people sitting in it. I want you to ask you to do something for me right now, Father, I ask you to Help us to be a lot more loving with each other and tolerant of each other, to see the gold, to see the good, and to go looking for it and overlook the dirt. When we walk out of this church today, I pray that we would pray the prayer I prayed when Lonnie committed suicide. Use me, wherever you need to. If you have somebody you want me to go talk to, I'll talk to. I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can't fix the whole United States of America, but I can sure fix a few people in it, and I'll be an answer to you wherever you want me to go. I thank you for the people that are sitting here right now. We're talking about a move of God, yet we really are a move of God. You are live inside of us. You've made us righteous. We don't need another move. We, we need... We need to take what you've given us and use it. Right now, as I'm praying, I know there's people thinking about family members. You've got family members that aren't walking with God. um, I want you to start praying for them right now. They need it. They need it. They need you to love them enough to pray. They may be messed up, and I want you to love them anyway. I want you to just, to just to go, God, you love that person. You care. Lift them up. Don't let them mess their life up. If you're in here right now and you need help, there will be people up here in a minute that are going to pray for you. Your best days are ahead of you because you are in a church full of people who love you. We know you're imperfect, but everybody up here will be praying in a minute is imperfect too. In this feet, in this church, we wash feet. Say, I
1: wash feet. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just stay in an attitude of prayer for a minute. This is called a house of prayer, right? So let's pray for Myra just get in agreement with my prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today concerning Myra in Sue Conley's room. We we just plead the blood of Jesus over her. We ask you to send labors across her path, people that she'll listen to, people that can get through to her, to speak to her about the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, people that would preach the gospel to her and, Heavenly Father, I ask you to touch her body, touch her soul, touch her spirit right now, even as we pray, that the peace of God would come on her. I break the power of the devil off her in Jesus' name, and I command the blinders to come off of her in Jesus' name. And I pray right now that the light of the gospel would shine forth now into Myra's heart and that you would flood her her soul with peace, and her room with peace, and her body with peace. Ministering spirits, go forth now and bring to Myra and Sue all the aid and support they need. Only put good hands and good people and good doctors and nurses around them. In the name of Jesus, amen. And Barbara, we plead the blood of Jesus over Barbara Neff. Father God, just surround her with only the right hands, only the right hands on her, only the right doctors, only the right decisions to be made over her, the right nurses watching over her case with precision. And we speak life and wholeness to her body, her soul, her mind. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of the devil off her and off this situation. And we thank you, Lord, for moving on her and touching her, Right now, as we pray and as we speak, in Jesus' name. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. This is Old Testament. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God gave us his son, so we should give. Amen? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Thank God for that, that we will see a manifestation of that 100%. The government shall be upon his children. Ha! Ah, his shoulder, sorry. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says that of his rule there will be no end. Thank God for that. Amen. Further back in Isaiah 7, it's the Lord said, God said, and this shall be a sign to you. And he's actually speaking to the Jewish people, but it goes for all of us who accept Jesus, he said, this will be a sign to you. There will be a virgin, and she will conceive a son. He'll bring him forth and call his name Emmanuel. What's that mean? God with us. God with us. Jesus is the one that came to show us what God looked like. Whatever Jesus did is who God is. Amen? So if you're here this morning and you have not received Jesus as Lord, he said, I'm the only way the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father. There's a lot of people that they think they love God and they're getting to the Father, but he says, no one's getting to the Father except they come through me. So as my altar workers come forward, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, let them introduce you to Jesus. And all you need to say is Romans 10, 9, and 10. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus all you have to say is, Jesus, be my Lord. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's all you have to do. Very easy. But it's a submission of, Lord, not my will, but your will. You are Lord. Thank you for, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin. And in Matthew... He quoted, Jesus quoted himself back in Isaiah 7 that his father was telling the Jews. He said, I'm quoting back what Isaiah 7 said about me. Amen. And it says, they shall call his name Emmanuel for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, come up for anything. God is always here. He's always available. And He always. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at WOLAPAPCA.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give,